Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's August 26, 2016. You're listening to the best poker cast on the internet. I'm Chris Casenza. I'm Scott Long. You know, if it really were August 26th, you and I would be sailing along in uh... Pacific Northwest... Yeah, but not at this specific hour. At this hour, we'd be waking up to well, yeah, that's true. Uber over to the cruise ship. But yes, we are getting ready to go on our Alaska cruise. I've never been more excited for a cruise ever in my life. Never been there. Very excited. Um, well, we got an Annie up fan uh, meeting us in Juneau and driving us around. Always like that. Yeah. So looking forward to this trip, and I know all of our listeners are looking forward to this trip because that means next week not only are they going to get a crappy thirty-minute phoned-in show from the cruise ship but because you're hanging out in seattle for a couple days afterwards it's not gonna be posted until like 10 days from now yeah it's gonna it's not gonna be next week it's gonna be (laughs) you're literally gonna get a show get a day and get another show probably is what's gonna happen you may you may even get a show and then a show it depends on when i get back and how tired i am when i get home um but yeah we um we're gonna do. We're gonna, we'll probably have a good show, though, even though it's gonna be from the ship, just because of all the people that are on the ship on the ship with us, and yes, it's a longer course. cruise and everything. So, but yeah, it's gonna be posted probably after Labor Day. So don't freak out. I have to put a preemptive strike on Poker Radius. You can you can do it on all our social media sites. Don't freak out. Yes, just enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Go ahead, have a hot dog or five or, or five whatever. like Scott does. Yeah, yeah you can consume and uh, <laughs> relax, and then we'll be back after the uh, when you when you go back to work. We'll yeah, back. and when the kids are in school everywhere, then you'll know there's a new show from last week. And of course, we can't talk about going on a cruise without plugging AnnieUpCruises.com, so you can find out how you can join us on any of the other cruises. Obviously, too late to join us now. But. Yes, yes, unless you want to like fly to Alaska and meet us there. Yeah, but even then, I don't know. You, you yeah. have to. You'd have to, like, you know, sneak in with, like, the deliveries or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not have a stateroom the entire time and just sleep on the Lido deck. Customs? Who needs customs? <laughs> all right, so we got a lot of really negative news about poker today. I hate leaving on vacation with all this negative stuff, but there just wasn't anything positive out there this week to talk about. So uh, so we'll start with this. Uh, just prior to a scheduled vote in the House that seemed likely to finally advance... Online poker legislation in California, the bill was amended to essentially shut poker stars out of the market for five years. Poker stars and its coalition that includes the Bicycle Commerce and Gardens Casinos, who previously accused uh, a coalition led by the Pechanga tribe, who uh, pushed the so-called bad actor clause of being obstructionists, are now being tagged with the very same label. Uh, the Poker Players Alliance decided the poker stars. And update since I wrote this, it looks like it is unlikely that this bill will pass this year since the uh, session ends uh, one week from today. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's 
I guess there's irony in there somewhere, but but I, I can't blame them, you know? I mean, I can't blame them for not wanting this to go through now without them included in it. Talking about the biggest casinos in the state and the biggest poker room online in the in the world getting together to do something, and then you're saying, oh, by the way, they can't be there for, for five years. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, this whole thing, um, well, this is like a classic gaming legislation issue here where it's just petty infighting from the people that benefit from it are the ones that keep it from happening, not the people that are anti-gaming. Right. Which is always maddening to me. You know, I, I get it if uh, here in Florida the Disney crowd or, you know, family values crowd stands up and complains about gaming and that gets shut down because I expect that to happen. It's frustrating, though, when uh, folks that can benefit from it get upset and sabotage bills because it, you know, doesn't benefit them more than their competitor. It, the other thing, too, is it it's sort of, to me, and if I'm wrong, please tell me, um, when I see something like this and they, they use this bad actor as the reason for doing it, I, I see it as them saying, we don't trust our own lawmakers and regulators to see if the people who are going to be entered into this agreement are going to be on the level and legal and doing everything by the book. They're saying, well, you guys screwed up in the past, so we're going to punish you, even though they've already been punished. PokerStars has already been punished and then made everybody whole and did everything according to the plan they're supposed to and do. And then bought by a completely different company. And it was bought by completely different owners, exactly. And it's like, okay, even if they were bad actors, you're saying that in five years from now it's okay. You know, it's not like they're getting paroled. This is ridiculous. It's just not. It's not fair to the bicycle uh, casino and commerce and gardens, and it's not fair to poker stars. It's not even the same people. It's a totally different situation. And if you're going to be voting on legislation, you're going to put all of the the watchdogs and everything in place anyway. You don't trust your own ability to make sure everything is done on the level and according to your regulations. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, and clearly that's not what they're saying here. Clearly what they're what they're saying without saying it is is that uh, we just don't want to face off against poker stars. Right, exactly. They want a five-year head start so they can build up their own base and, and audience and everything and then say, all right, you can come in after five years because by then we're going to have everyone who wants to play comfortable with us and it's just not right um and you know it, it's interesting this um analysis uh that i read on online poker uh by steve roddick very good job actually um was talking about the differences between these claims of who's opposing what and um you know, there's a lot of discussion about, um, they said it here, um, if it's directed at a specific person or group, inflict punishment on that person or group, or do so without due process. So here's the big thing the poker star is saying is, hey, um, if you're calling us a bad actor, you have to prove that we're a bad actor. Yeah. And there hasn't been an attempt to prove that we've done anything wrong. I mean, obviously, we know... You know the, the Black Friday and all the things that happened from that, but um, there there needs to be an actual trial of some sort to determine this. Um, and so it, it's just been interesting. They said um, here they said uh, 
you know, whether you agree or disagree with Pachanga's position on the past as a poker stars protecting consumers from a business perspective, and I'm quoting here, it's attempts to deny poker stars to access solidifies its position in the market. So on the other hand, the poker stars is fighting for a chance to apply for a license to compete. Uh, Poker Stars is not trying to deny another group a license or better position itself in the market. So that was the thing before. Poker Stars was trying to get in um, and wasn't supporting the bill unless they were allowed to be in. And they were called obstructionists because the bill would have passed had they not, probably would have passed had they not been insisted that they allowed to be in. Now it's different. Now they're becoming obstructionists because they don't want the bill without a man uh, because another group is specifically trying to get them not to be in. Yep. Yep. Just frustrating. It is. So for our folks in California, it'll be another year, um, at least before uh, this gets moving. Because even after it gets passed, obviously you need time to get it all up and running. So, uh, But in the meantime, I invite our California friends to join Annie at PokerRoom.com. That's right. <laughs> Shameless plug from the ashes of somebody else's <laughs> We will rise like a phoenix to take over the California market with our subscription site. And, uh, yeah, just it, it's a terrible time to be on the West Coast for poker this week because the other story we're going to talk about here is that some poker clubs in Portland, Oregon, have shut down and others are in limbo after the city sent a letter to all of them telling them that volunteer dealers are no longer allowed to run the games and the players must deal themselves. You should probably give everybody a copy of California Split so they can see what that is. Yeah, you stepped on my joke, thanks. <laughs> I was going to wait till you got to the end before I said anything. Thank you very much. Boom! Uh, the clubs have long operated under the state's uh, social gambling law by not paying its volunteer dealers who work for tips alone, or some dealers have sued for back wages, and the city didn't want to wait for those suits to be resolved to head off potential future problems. Insert Chris's California split joke. Yeah, forget it now. <laughs> forget it. It's funny that you were thinking of that, too. Yeah. Um... You know what? It, it, it's just getting ridiculous. It, it, I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. And I can see why, you know, from both standpoints, why they want their way to be the right way. And, you know, to me, these clubs can't survive without volunteer dealers. Because if you got to deal for yourself, you might as well just tell the guys, hey, let's, let's just meet up at my house so I don't have to buy, pay an entry fee or buy food or you know what I mean? Or you know, tip dealers since they're not dealing. And plus, the whole fact that I hate it. There, are, in our home game, there are some people that I just when they deal, I just want to rip my hair out. <laughs> I'm sure our, our listeners are shocked by this, relevant. Right, but I mean, if you're after the four-hour discussion of Frank not pushing you to the cards last week, if I have to pay for the right for someone to deal to me <laughs> that I can't stand the way they deal, and then I have to pay for the right to deal myself. And I can't concentrate on the cards that are coming out. Like I'm probably they mostly play hold them there probably, but they might play stud. It's a pain to friggin' deal and play stud at the same time. If you play the right way, if you're trying trying to concentrate on what's coming out, what's been folded, who had what, what they're, which way they're going with their hand. I mean, I want to play poker. I don't want to deal, and I don't want to watch someone deal horribly either. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, I guess the part about paying in the dealers is kind of iffy just because you know they work for tips but i mean waitresses work for tips servers work for tips and get minimum wage and i know there was something in there about they weren't even getting minimum wage yeah Yeah. so i mean this is really a fascinating the portland clubs have always been fascinating to me to to watch Uh, and then this development's even more fascinating because this is it's 
again, I've said this before that if you put gambling or poker people on curing cancer and gave and they put the same level of effort that they did into getting games legal wherever they are, cancer would be obliterated tomorrow. Yeah. They are just so creative on getting around rules and here it was that you couldn't have you couldn't have paid employees dealing. So they're like, all right. I'm going to have Joe, do you want a deal in my room? I can't pay you, but you can uh, accept tips. And, you know, these folks are making 16, 18 bucks an hour in tips. That's a pretty good day at the office, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the way they get around it. Um, so they can't do what you just said is actually pay them the tip minimum wage because, um, therefore, it would be illegal. <laughs> yeah. And now, so what's happening, and uh, this is another fascinating thing, I think, about human behavior. Um, and this is almost the same, I would say it's almost the same. There, there are parallels between this and union workers in Atlantic City that went on strike that eventually led Taj Mahal to say it's closing, right? Yeah. It's that uh, you've got a decent gig here. It's not perfect. Um and then you go and sue or go on strike to make it better, which is perfectly fine, but then it ends up costing you everything. Yeah, didn't the dealers know that? Like, didn't they know that this was going to happen if they did this? Like, Yeah, I'm going to guess what happened is, is that, again, they, they someone said, hey, do you want a deal? I can't pay you a wage, but you can work for tips. You're probably going to make 16 18 bucks an hour. And someone said, that's better than the 11 bucks I'm making wherever I'm working now and more fun. And they did that. That was great. And then someday they're out with drinks, and some lawyer overheard them talking about how they're not getting paid, but they're making tips, and said, "Hey, that's illegal. Why don't you let me sue them, and I'll get you back wages?" And they said, "I, I get more money now, sure." And then they got a bunch of their other dealers on board, and lawsuits go through, and obviously they're going to win. Well, I should say, obviously, uh, it, I expect them to win. Um, and then the rooms say, "Hey, well, I can't pay you, so we're going to have to shut down." And you're going to have to go back to that $11 hour job because of this lawsuit. Unreal. Unreal. So it's a difficult situation for all these people. I mean, again, I, 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 I can understand the dealers wanting to be properly compensated and sue um, if they are not. Uh, well, I should say sue. I mean, I, whatever. Um, and same with uh, striking workers that don't feel that they're being treated fairly by management. And, and on the other side, I can understand management saying, hey, I can't afford to pay you so I'm going to shut down and put you out of work or hey if you guys are striking I'm not making any money on the casino I can't afford these losses I'm going to shut it down so you know there's no winners in this it's all just a whole bunch of losers um, and particularly the players in in Portland yep yep it's ridiculous hey any updates the three day main event of the Antioch Poker Tour at Sandia Resort and Casino in Albuquerque New Mexico begins September 3rd the winner will appear on the cover of Annie Up Magazine. For more details, visit AnnieUpMagazine.com slash Sandia. And I'll be out there, so say hi. Say hi to Scott. Uh, SLAnnieUpPokerRoom.com hosts the Blue Shark Optics Blue Busters main event on August 28th, so uh, Sunday, right? Uh, yeah, coming up. With the winner getting 100 bucks and a pair of Blue Shark's Blue Busters lenses, which are specially designed for use in front of your computer. Any at PokerRoom.com costs $14.95 a month and is open to players in 25 states where sweepstakes laws allow play. Also, uh, listeners have been flooding us with Hands of the Week, which is awesome. 
But we're still in need of listener spotlight and call to floor submissions. Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup group discussions at pokerradius.com. All right, well, speaking of listener spotlights, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with call to floor and hand of the week, we send them something cool. It comes from our good buddy Zorag. Yep, he's going to be in Albuquerque when I'm there. Haven't heard from him in a while. He says, I started playing again at the 3-6 Limit Hold'em Fish Tank in the truck stop in Reno. I was up a rack after one and a half hours. I was up 70 or so after the first six hands, and then took a while to get the other 30. When I racked out, a guy called me a scared mother trucker. I told him... And I had to change that, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I thought it was very creative how I changed it, though. That truck stop. Yeah, you're pretty smart. Uh, you're yeah. pretty smart. The actual word? Yeah. I told him I was up a rack and wasn't offended. He had been muttering about me the whole time. I showed down nut or near nut hands, but kept getting paid off. He evidently is a regular around this game. My question is, how long can I keep him steaming? Or should I not worry about it for the next session? I think I could have stacked him off if it had been crappy Nolan and Hold'em, but I was following my game plan of cashing out after a rack. This table was full of players seeing a flop of the range wide enough to include all possible combinations. Um, well, I'll say the the smart money is always on um, staying in a good game and leaving immediately from a bad game, right? Yeah. Um, but we're humans, right? So we're not smart by definition, right? So we play poker because we're enjoying it. So sometimes we'll play longer um, if we're losing and it's a bad game than we should just because we want to play. Um, and sometimes we talk ourselves into getting up and leaving a good game for whatever reason. In this case, you know, he set a, a rule of uh, winning a rack and getting out, which is not uh, not a problem. So, um, I, I guess that would be my uh, book advice: <laughs> is if the game is this good, then you should probably play it as much as you possibly can. How I know that he's like from New Mexico or something, right? So how often is he going to get to this truck stop? I know he drives a truck. Sounds like he's pretty regularly. It's probably one of his. Yeah. Routes. So if he's going to get there regularly, then I would leave with the rack and just keep going back. And you know, you can shear a sheep, you know, once, but you can only, you know, I mean, a million times, but you can only <laughs> kill it once, right? Or what's that saying? So you don't. Want, I will say I can only shear a sheep. Well, I'm not even yeah. sure I can shear once. <laughs> you don't want to kill this sheep. You know what I mean? I would love to just keep going back every time I had a chance taking a rack from these people, and especially this guy. And then, you know, it's like a nice little savings account you got for yourself. But if you stay there one night and just take it all, the guy's going to be like, damn. You know, and maybe he won't come back. You know? I mean, uh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, it sounds like this guy's not very good, right? And he is regular, so he's probably not very good on a regular basis there. So I, I don't think there's any way to, of this guy driving this guy off. So... Um, my problem was here again. I don't like confrontation at ta- I don't like confrontation anywhere, but right. I definitely don't like confrontation at a poker table. So when I've got somebody that's making me feel uncomfortable, and, I, and this is not the case for Zorag, I know he's not feeling uncomfortable with this guy. He's almost laughing at this guy being upset, right? Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, I would be kind of upset hearing, even if it's somebody not even talking about me. If anybody's just negative at the table constantly, um. It just drives me insane, and uh, we didn't talk about this on the show, but when I was at a Thunder Valley, I was playing, a, it was actually one of the tournaments, too, and politics came up, which is like the worst thing to come up at a poker table in public, right? Yeah. And it was just, it was driving me insane, and eventually I had to say something, which I don't normally do, but I'm just like, dudes, <laughs> calm down here. Um, 
but I, yeah, so that, that would it would actually make me want to get up from this good game, even though it's a good game, just so I wouldn't have to deal with this guy's constant. Oh my gosh, there you go, winning with the nuts again, <laughs> which is what it sounds like. So I mean, this, so really, this guy really should be paying attention to how the people play and not whether they win or lose, but what are they winning with. And why am I not winning? Is it because I'm unlucky, like I think it is? Or maybe I actually suck at this game. And this guy that I'm yelling at actually plays better than me. Maybe I should shut up and listen um, and watch him and learn from him, right? So, I I don't know. I mean, yeah, if the game's uncomfortable, I'm going to get up even if it's a good game. But that's me. Yeah, I mean, he asks the question of how long can I keep him steaming. I mean, that's the thing. Is it, it takes forever. <laughs> but what I'm saying is... Maybe I'm interpreting steaming the wrong way. Do I want to just sit there and keep ticking this guy off until he actually realizes oh, that? Yes. You know what I mean? Or do I just say, all right, I'm going to split, and you'll get me next time, and then let that guy keep you know, blathering on to other people for the next two weeks or however long it takes for him to get back there, and then show up, and then the guy be, oh, there he is, the guy I want to get my money back from, and then you take his money again, and then you leave, and he'll keep wanting him to come back for more to beat you, but... If you embarrass him or just keep taking his money over and over and over again for one whole night, I don't know. I don't know. You might. It might. Plus, the other people might resent it too. If you're taking all this guy's money when they're like, "Hey, this is the guy. This is our fish." <laughs> yeah, right. this is the reason I play a game. And you know. All yeah. The so I mean, if you can get in there, take a rack, and enjoy a nice little stop in Reno, and then go home, and then go back, and have a nice little stop, and take another hundred out of it, and to me, that's kind of cool. You just, you know, what I'm saying you. you What's that whole you teach them to fish and for a day and all that? I don't know, Stip's too saying, but but I mean, really, if you if you whip this guy so bad, he might not come back. <laughs> he might not come back. You know what I mean? Or the other people might get ticked off and they might be like, "What the hell?" You know, I don't know. I, I just I would I would I when I play, I don't want anyone to be pissed at me when I'm playing. I want to just get in, take the money as much as I can without pissing people off, and then get out because I'm not that type of player. I'm not the guy that feeds off of everyone else being pissed at me. I'm just the type of player, just especially like on the cruises. I mean, I don't say anything except I talk to people about the cruise and experience and stuff and make friends. I don't want anybody being mad at me, you know. And in this case, he's trying to wonder how long he, he should keep him steaming. I'm just thinking, leave. That'll steam him for a whole week anyway. Well, you know the old saying, you can always shear a fish twice <laughs> on Tuesday. <laughs> Heard that from Christmas Hemsworth. Yeah, well, you know. I'm like the uh, Yogi Berra of poker podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like deja vu crap all over again. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say is, hey, any day you can take a rack out of a three six limit game is an awesome day at the office. Yeah, that just does not happen. That's and I don't know. This is at a truck stop, so I don't know whether it's just a this is a rate game or not. But if it's a rate game, if you're taking a, a rack out of a three six limit game, that is a great great day. So uh, I wouldn't get too greedy. Yeah, all we get to complete O'Malley's move today. Here comes part one to refresh our memories. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are again seated at a $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. We've been driving the action for a while, but a bad beat and a couple new table mates have caused that momentum to shift. We sit with 215. The blinds post, under the gun folds, and we are in the plus one with the king of spades, king of hearts. Not much to think about here. We raised it to $10. The MP calls, the MP1 calls, the hijack folds, the cutoff calls, the button folds, as do the blinds. Four to the flop? Did my kings really just turn into a set mining venture? 
With about $40 in the pot, the flop, not unlike last episode, brings a mixed bag of emotions. The queen of hearts, seven of hearts, seven of clubs comes down. So now, we're first act in a four-way pot with an overpair to a wet board. Ugh. I guess it's time to see bet We lead out for $25. The MP insta-shoves for $70 total. He hasn't been at the table long and bought in for $100. He hasn't shown down a single hand. It's folded back around to us. So, is this a snap call? Or is there something to think about here? What's the move? All right, well, we really don't have enough information here to make an educated decision, in my opinion. Um, a seven is just as likely as a queen or a pocket pair or a flush draw here. Uh, I can't see laying down this hand and a $130 pot for just 45 bucks, especially when there are so many legitimate ways we could be good here. So uh, my chips are going in. Yeah, you know, uh, when I first heard part one, I was thinking that if this person were a savvy player, then, you know, maybe... Betting that seven makes sense after we bet, um, because you know some you know like like I think we talked about this a lot on uh, about the uh, super system, but it was a little different situation. But he he talks a lot about you know if you if you have a pre flop raiser and then you flop three of a kind or two pair with your baby cards or something like that, the uh, conventional wisdom is to, to just check and let the person bet because they took the lead, but. A real savvy person would bet into the person because if you really read him properly, he's supposed to have a big hand there, and he's supposed to not be able to lay his hand down. You're going to get all of his money. Right. So, but in this case, it's it's a little different in the sense that it's only forty five more dollars to us for a huge pot, and we've got an overpair. It feels a lot like a queen, not a seven. If they were savvy, you know, they may have a seven. I might consider folding if I could really put them on a seven. But for forty five bucks, the amount of money we have, the amount of money in the pot, and how we're playing, I. I don't see us giving this hand up, so I'm calling. Yeah. Okay, here comes part two. Hello again. Okay, okay, so it's $45 to win 135 This might be a snap call situation, but I think oftentimes in poker, we can get into patterns where we act too quickly, too often, and over time that leads to bad calls, and even minimal amounts can add up quickly. So let's break this down and try to narrow a range. Our opponent called our preflop raise, probably rules out queens. Would a 7 play it this way? Maybe a suited ace-7? Nah, this feels more like a queen. We call. Our opponent turns over ace of diamonds, queen of clubs. Sweet. The turn is the four of hearts, and the river is the nine of hearts. Flush. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, even though a situation may seem to be obvious, it's still good to slow it down and think about things. I hope to see you on the felt. Uh, yep. Just too many ways we were ahead there to fold. Yeah, yeah. Ace Queen felt like I said before the, the the second part there. It just it was pretty much exactly what he had to have there. Something like that. Obviously, it wouldn't be King Queen because we have two kings. You don't think of that as being one of the cards. So Ace Queen made a lot of sense. And you know, I just I just don't see a seven betting there. I think in this kind of a game, a one-two game especially, somebody hits three sevens and you're betting. They're going to milk you for all you can. There was no well, reason to shove 45 and try to scare you. So. Well, the one reason I, I might argue with that is there were hearts out there. Yeah, there so, were hearts, yeah. You know, so that's what, you know, when I go back and, and, and look at it again, that's why I said it's, it's equal parts likely of all these different things. Because if you had a 7 here, I think you might have done this with that chip stack, right? I mean, you only had 70. 
Um, oh, that might be too big of a bet, but I think it's a light, uh, reasonable uh, way to play a seven there. Certainly, ace queen only time a reasonable way to play it. Um, you know, flush draw because now you've got the option of making your hand look like a made hand. Might play it that way as well too. Yeah. Um, and certainly an overpair um, would probably take an opportunity now to to bet like we did. So of those combinations, um, you know, only. And probably the only thing that wouldn't be laid that way would be pocket queens because you get the boat and you don't have to worry about the flush draw. So, of all those other combinations, uh, there's only two that have us beat, you know, the seven or aces. And so, it just, it, there's too many ways for us to win there and too few ways for us to lose, especially for the amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. And, and upon reflection, you're right about the flush draw. So, yeah. So, even that, even the seven worry there it's it's less likely so um i agree i agree i think uh we had to make the call and it made sense and ace queen makes sense too and you're right the other hands could have made sense given the board it was a little wet yeah i forgot about the hearts that was a thing um but yeah absolutely so that's a good call there's no way you lay that down for 45 bucks right i mean just can't imagine any scenario where you lay it down really i mean i will say in one two i don't know what other players are all that savvy enough to worry about the flush there i think i think you're right that a lot of one two players would be trying to slow play and trap and then end up getting themselves trapped, which yes. would, have, would have happened here. Uh, well, we had them beat all the way, but once that flush gets there, then they would be like, I can't yeah. believe my luck yeah. that the flush got there when really, if they would have played it differently, the hand would have been over and the flush would have never got there. In this case, it didn't matter because O'Malley had him crushed all the way. But. Crushed! Crushed! All right, it's time for Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiotmagazine.com. Good friend David Bloomberg Sends this in, and I'm um, excited to talk to him about the new Survivor coming up. I don't know how excited you are about the new Survivor, but um, it is, uh, and the reason I bring this up is David Bloomberg is probably the biggest Survivor fan in the world. Yep. And uh, this new season is Gen X, the most awesome generation in history of generations, <laughs> and uh, Millennials. And uh, I think I've said this before, uh, I don't know how this season goes to completion because the millennials are just going to get bored halfway through and quit. <laughs> uh, I was thinking well, the same thing. The thing was fun like three weeks ago, but... I want to go live in my mom's basement again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we're offending everybody, I bet. Yes, absolutely. But, hey, we're equal opportunity. Uh, that's right. So anyway, I'm curious what David's going to say about this. So. But uh, this is the poker show, so let's talk about his hand here. All right. Uh, he's playing one of his regular 1-2 home games, so they're generally a pretty competitive group. There are usually some easier spot, spots, uh, but by the time this hand came up, those players were pretty much gone. We were down to six-handed. I was in for 300, but currently at 250-ish. No squiggly mark. Ish. Squiggly mark takes one character. Ish takes three characters. <laughs> well, there's the shift and the look, too. You don't really know oh, what a squiggly true. character yeah, is. So. two fingers. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, maybe. Um, but he says I'm at 250-ish and chasing towards even um, alright uh, looks like we're in middle position he doesn't say what happened before so let's just assume everybody folded so it folds to us in middle position with ace of spades queen of spades nice uh, well pretty obvious right I mean I don't really see any reason to limp here so just 3x or whatever for it. It depends on what the flavor, the temperature, the game is, whatever. But whatever the standard so raise is. Kansas dry rub. That's my favorite. <laughs> okay, then we're going to raise three Kansas dry rubs. 
whatever whatever the standard raise would be in your game for a middle position person entering the pot first, I would make it that. So, uh, let's see. He says normal raises or his normal raises would be twelve between twelve and fifteen in the spot. Wow, on a one-two game. Yes. All right. Well, that's what I would do. I would make it twelve then. Yep. All right. I agree. I would make it whatever the normal is for me. It'd be ten, but he likes to be twelve and fifteen, so. Um, I would do the same thing, and then people don't know what you have, right? Right. All right, now he says, as I said, normally I would raise somewhere between 12 and 15 in the situation, depending on who was after me, how big they'd been calling that day. In this case, I raised to 10 because we were short-handed. Okay. And get a little little action out of his ace queen. It's a Scott raise, so. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like action, though. I like to I just win the blinds all day long. <laughs> yeah, get bored. Uh, all right. He says, uh, I was called by the small blind. He is a good player who has been a circuit dealer in his final table at a Heartland Poker Tour event. Ooh. Wow. Uh, where the game is at his house, and he doesn't like to tick people off. But he sometimes makes big bluffs just to have fun with them. When he's not making one of his rare fun bluffs, he usually plays fairly straightforward, but can be tricky in some situations. So uh, essentially, he can do anything. Yeah, essentially, this guy can uh, yeah. stop bullets with his chest. <laughs> so he, he essentially just gave us a description of the guy that really doesn't help us for the rest of the hand, right? Right. <laughs> uh, all right, the flop is Queen of Diamonds, Seven of Clubs, Deuce of Diamonds, and our opponent checks to us. All right, so we got 23-ish in the pot. No, 22-ish. Uh, beautiful flop. I mean, and a Queen Seven Deuce is always the hand. That when you're making up a hand for somebody, you always put Queen Seven Deuce out because it's impossible to make a straight on the next card, and you like to make it rainbow. But there are two diamonds here, so and there's always some um, uh, Bank that's playing Seven Deuce here just for a flop like this. Yeah, yeah, because this guy's capable of anything, so he can leap tall buildings in a single bound here. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to think that way. Uh, most conventional bets here are, you know, ABC bets are like half the pot, so. No reason not to just bet 10 again or 12 or 15 or something, but probably 10. It's probably the right bet. Yeah, I'd probably go 15 just because the flush draw is there. Yeah, so. Painful, but. Uh, but yeah, any, anywhere in that range sounds good to me. All right, hero uh, C bets 15 bucks. All right. And the villain calls, of course. Otherwise, the hand would be over. And that would be really terrible. The worst hand that we ever. Turn is the Eight of Hearts. Is, sorry, I'm sorry, the board now is Queen of Diamonds, Seven of Clubs, Deuce of Diamonds, Eight of Hearts, and our opponent checks to us once again. All right, so there's about 50 in the pot. So, I mean, I, I there, there, there is some... Here's the problem with this hand, okay? He could be slow playing something in a tan of the week, and we're just going to be a bomb, bomb, bomb at the end. Right. Or somebody could be drawing... Yes. With the flush out there, and this is what they would do. They would check and then call a reasonable amount and then hope to hit. Now, if you say, oh, I want to control the pot and I want to make sure he's not trapping me and I want to check behind, now you've given him a free card if he's doing one or the other. So it's like a 50-50 coin flip in your head here as to what you should do. We're not at the table with this guy, so it's very difficult to, you know, I would love to check here and control the size of this pot, you know, keep it 50 bucks, make it. $30 bet on the end when a blank comes again and see if he'll call with you know with king queen or something but at the same time if you check and then the heart get or the diamond gets there I mean 
And it's like, oh, we just talked about this a little while ago with O'Malley's move about, oh, how did it get here? You know, I didn't protect my hand. So, you know, this guy is a good player, um, but he's out of position, which is interesting. Um, you know, if he called with pocket deuces or seven deuce, you know, or seven eight, hit his seven, thought we were only doing a continuation bet, and he checks again to see if we check behind, then he'll bet on the river with his sevens. And now he's turned to pair. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios that have us screwed right now. Um, but I feel like I still need to bet. I, I think if we're in the home game and I'm playing a player like this and I've got ace queen, I flop top pair, and it's really a pretty and a tame board in a six handed game. Yeah, I think I'm betting. I mean, I'll probably probably bet like 20 here. You know, I, I feel like any more than that. You know, I think I'm wasting chips. If his guy's going to fold, he's going to fold for 20. If he's going to raise me, he's going to, you know, it's going to happen anyway. So if I make it 25 or 30, I'm just wasting money. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a difference between a call and a fold. It's either going to call or he's going to fold one way or the other or raise. Well, if he's on the flush draw, the, the only thing I would say, if he's on a flush draw, I want to make him pay improper odds to get there. So... Yeah, I, mean, I think you're right, though, that, you know, if if he's sitting on a non-flush hand, he's got two pair or a set or something here, I'd rather bet 20 and have him raise me and fold than bet 30 or whatever. Um, but but I do, I mean, the, the flush draw is a very plausible hand here, right? So um, I absolutely want to bet here. I don't want to check and play this tricky and all that. I mean, we only have top pair, top kicker. So, um, and there are a lot of hands that we have crushed right now. I mean, again, a six hand is that people play wide range, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's almost it's not the same as heads up. But when you you know when I play the heads up tournament, I mean, you're not worried about the big hands. I mean, people are calling and betting with any pair, <laughs> you know, any piece of the board, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's more likely in a six-handed game. So this guy could be easily calling with any seven, any deuce even, um, just because you know maybe he thinks we have a, a naked ace, right? Yeah, like ace king or ace jack. So there are a lot of hands that we have crushed that are, are going to be calling here. So I don't want to slow down. I want to get some more money in. And if he does have a monster, he's going to raise us. Then I'd rather find out now. Than I would um, if it gets trickier on the on the river. So um, I think there's lots of reasons to bet here. Very few reasons that I think make sense to check. Um, and then I guess it's just the amount that we put in. So I mean, I just normally keep betting half the pot. So that's probably what I'm going to bet here, which is what we figure about 25 or something maybe. Yeah, 25 is half the pot. Like I said, I, I said around 20. I was thinking a little less than half because generally we do that. We go what half the pot. And then you do like two thirds or something. I don't know. So I just felt like if I bet two thirds, you're betting like thirty or so, you know. And then it's like, uh, you know, if he would have folded for twenty, then you've sk- you know. What I mean, I I'm just trying to figure out the right amount that doesn't make me waste money. But you're right. So twenty five is half the pot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our hero bets twenty five. Ooh, look at this. There you go. He's played this exactly how I would have played all the way through. That's not good for him. <laughs> uh, he says, our opponent makes a comment about how I have him worried, but then he calls. Yeah. I begin to worry myself that he has something big. I plan to check back the river if he checks again, unless something significant changes. He has 100 in the pot now. 
And he says, and it does. The river is the queen of clubs. So our final board is queen of diamonds, seven of clubs, deuce of diamonds, eight of hearts, queen of clubs. And our opponent, of course, checks once again. Well, the two-pair thing isn't a worry anymore. You know, if you had seven, eight or whatever, now it's, yep. this is great for us. Um, the only the only thing we have to worry about now is a full house. So we have to hope that the person has a queen jack or queen ten. It's interesting that he checks again if he has the boat because he's especially making that comment. The pot got pretty big. Wouldn't he worry about missing a bet here if he actually had a big hand now? Yeah, see, I'm not a big talker at the table. Um, but if you are going to be a talker, I think you have to make your talk work for you, right? Yeah. So if I'm going to say, oh, I'm worried, you got me worried, and now you're putting some, you're putting some kind of thought in your opponent's mind, right? That you're only going to be able to bet or call on the next card in this situation if it's a card that makes it look like you got lucky, right? Right. So this is one of those cards, I think. It would same be if the, if the flush got there, which would have been what uh, diamonds. If a diamond got there, I think if either one of those cards come, now you've set up that kind of where you need to bet out and bluff your way into winning this hand. So I think you would have to bet there. Yeah. And really, if you have any kind of hand uh, that you think uh, is a winning hand here, you've got to bet. Because the worst thing you can do with poker is try to wait for somebody else to do the betting for you, especially in a bet, call, bet, call, bet, call kind of situation. If your opponent has nothing, he's not going to be stupid enough to fire again here, I don't think. I think he's going to give up. So you're not going to get your money unless you bet. So um, I'm reasonably sure that we are ahead here, and I'm going to value bet this. Like what, 30? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's hand of the week, so you're always cautious in this situation. But if you're actually at the table, if I'm three days from now, we're on the cruise, and I've played this hand exactly the way this guy's played. On the river, I river three queens. I think I am betting 30, so I might as well bet 30. I mean, I guess there's probably a case to be the bet more because I really do feel like we we've got this hand won. But it has to be a bet that you think is going to get called, and this is kind of the problem too. Now the board's paired, you know, you're really only going to get, um, you know, you're probably not going to get much money out of most hands now because they're scared that they're not going to win. So, well, let me ask you this: if if he had any, any queen, he calls you. But if he had the seven and didn't believe you had the queen the whole way. He's not going to believe you had the eight, so the queen doesn't help you. So he might actually call with a seven if you make it a reasonable bet. Uh, it's also maybe a case that we need to make a what well, we we've talked about recently on the show a larger bet here to look like now we're just we totally missed everything and we want to shut you out of the pot. Yeah, but yeah. this guy is capable of making that kind of big call. I might bet more than I might bet fifty, sixty, seventy, even maybe just to kind of make it look like oops. See, the problem with that is we don't actually have the nuts, though. <laughs> well, that's true. I don't want to make a huge bet to say, oh, I'm trying to steal it, and the guys go, great, I got a boat, and you're betting into me all your chips. <laughs> so I really just want to see $30, and if the guy shoves on me, I'll reevaluate. But if I I just want to get value out of this. I don't think I'm going to get it by shoving. I'm just going to get called by a better hand. I really don't think someone who's trailing is going to think, oh, this guy's only stealing it. I bet every single street and strong the whole way. Yeah. You know? So let's go with 30, see what he does. All right. Um, all right. Here says when he checks the river, it seems to me he's giving up or once again going to check call. If he had two pair, I'm good. Unless he had a queen as one of those pair, of course. But that seems less likely as it would have been the case queen. 
if he has a smaller queen, I'm good. If he has hidden kings or aces, I'm good. So I decided to bet 40. Okay. Works for me. And our opponent raises to 100. So much for him being worried. <laughs> I love hand of the week. All right, so there was 100 in the pot when we bet, so that's 140, and then he bet 60 more, or so there's 100 more. So we're looking at 240 in the pot. We got to bet 60. We're getting four to one on our money with top set or top trips with top kicker. Yeah, I'm gonna have to call and just hope he has queen jack and or king queen. It was slow playing that whole thing, thinking he was ahead. Um, it, it feels like he could be a boat now, but. Um, I'm not going to worry too much about that. It's it's hard to get away from this hand, but this is why I really was thinking about checking the river. I was thinking about it, but I didn't say it because it's ridiculous. If I'm on the ship, I'm not checking that hand. So, that right. uh, was that comment was a little unnerving. Well, that's the other thing about that comment too is when some people say that it's usually because they've already got a monster. And yeah. Now they're trying to make you feel like, you know, oh boy, I'm really stupid putting these ships in the pot. Yeah. So I guess that's the other thing, but I think now, yeah, it's it's another sixty for this big pot. You know, it's it, I guess a better a better player can lay this down, but I'm not a better player. Very good. Uh, all right, here it says I talked to him a bit to try to get him to reveal something, but for once he doesn't give me anything. I eventually go with my read. He's usually straightforward, and a check raise on a river and in one two is almost always a nearly nut hand. I'm taking seven seven or queen seven. I fold. Ooh. He shows deuce, deuce. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, did I mention that's his favorite hand? No, because I forgot as well. So much for climbing towards even. Yeah. So David is a better player than we are, so that's fine. And, and like you said, too, if you if you go back in time and you start over and you look at the story as being told, why would a person who's a decent player in the small blind who knows he's going to be out of position the whole way call a raise of 10 shorthanded unless he has something and then when the flop comes why would he check call unless he has something you know if, if he has the draw that's one thing but then he would he do it again on the turn when we bet 50 or uh, 25 do we bet 25 on the turn no 15 uh, no the flop was 15 turn was 25 so right. when that 8 comes and he doesn't get to the flush draw and we bet 25 and makes that comment you know, it's 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 hard to imagine. These guys got some serious patience. Yeah, he must absolutely. he must have had a great read on us that we were going to bet again. You know, to to bet that to check that river to us one more time. And a little part of me is happy to check the river there sometimes. You know, I mean, there are times in the home game where, you know, I don't like it to be too contested in the home game, so I'll check down a hand at the end that I'm just like I'm happy to win and not, you know, lose half my stack because someone was slow playing me or, or whatever. So. There is a little part of me that wanted to check that river. I just didn't do it. Yeah. You know? And it makes sense now. The deuces make sense, especially the comment, like you said. Neve said, you know, that comment makes you know, ah, something's not right. Why is he talking now? Why all of a sudden is he saying something? If he was drawing, he wouldn't say anything because he'd say it before we bet to discourage us from betting. Right? He said it after we bet, I think. Yeah, but even that, so then, I mean, I still stand by my, my opinion that he should have bet into us on the river. Um, because you know, if that was some kind of reverse thing, oh, I worried a card that got there that would make his worry not worry. And there's a case to be made. If we didn't have a queen there, obviously we're going to check behind, right? Right. He's not going to get anything out of us. Now I'm not so sure we would pay off anything if we didn't have a queen there. But you got to bet there, to try to get something, don't you? Yeah. Especially after you laid the groundwork for that. 
He just might have so, a real good read on us. Yes, absolutely. I think that's it. I think he was staring right into our hero's soul and <laughs> knew him all along because it, it was dangerous to check that uh, to, to play it as passively as he did on the flop with the flush draw there, and then again on the turn, and then to check to us again on the river, confident that we were going to bet and he could raise us, and that we were probably going to call. And of course, we didn't call. But right, man. Well. I just think that uh, sometimes, sometimes a hundred dollar pot is big enough, and when you just can't figure out what this guy's doing, maybe you do miss a bet there. But then again, maybe you don't lose forty more, or you know, lose your stake. He folded, so but you know, he bet that thirty that he didn't really have to bet, and he would have just lost the original. Whatever. But I would say you run this hand through a computer simulation for however many times you need to to make it statistically correct, right? Yeah. We're winning this hand way more than we're losing this hand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206 338 6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.